1: Daily Tech News Show is powered by you. To find out more, head to com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Friday, June 8th, 2018 in Los
2: Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt.
3: And from Studio Hack 5 in Oakland, California, I'm
2: Shannon Morse. And from Believe Land, I'm Len Peralta. <laughs> Len
1: Peralta, <laughs> here to support the Cavaliers and illustrate the show. Uh, nice best of luck to your sports ball team tonight
2: thank you it's oh there's nothing much more we can say
1: you. uh sarah lane is off today uh, a well-deserved day off but our producer roger chang is here how are you roger
3: i'm always here
1: <laughs> you get to take days off too sometimes you know and you should uh, oh i will it's good Don't to take worry. a break <laughs> all right let's start with a few tech things you should know E3 begins in Los Angeles next week. Uh, major company press conferences will take place this weekend. Microsoft's announcement is 1 p.m. Pacific on Sunday. Sony follows on Monday at 6 p.m. Pacific. And Nintendo will do its pre recorded announcement, uh, its Nintendo Direct announcement, Tuesday at 9 a.m. And don't forget, it's all games. None of the companies are expected to announce any hardware.
3: Yay, E3. It's my favorite convention to watch from far, far away. A Snapchat will allow its iOS users to send Bitmoji stickers that include you and a friend called Friendmojis through the Apple Messages app. Friendmojis have only been available in the Snapchat app up until now.
1: Ooh, it's a big move, big day for Bitmojis. <laughs> uh, Facebook said Thursday that a bug caused posts of 14 million users to be set as public no matter what default setting the user normally had selected. The bug existed from May 18th to May 27th. Now, technicians fixed the bug on May 22nd, but it took five days to fully restore the affected settings, and Facebook said it will notify you if you were affected by the bug.
3: Um, you could do like I do and just never use Facebook, and then you won't have to deal with those kind of things.
1: <laughs> All right. All right, Miss Smug.
3: Oath announced its discontinuing uh, Yahoo Messenger as of July 17th. The company said it does not have a replacement product, but it mentioned you can sign up for a beta of a group messaging app called Squirrel at squirrel.yahoo.com. For the next six months, you can download your chat history at messenger.yahoo.com slash getmydata. And Yahoo Messenger launched as Yahoo Pager back in 1998. You know wow
1: yahoo messenger was how i uh communicated between the TechTV.com and g4 tv.com staff during the brief period Aww. when we were uh transitioning before i got laid off
3: <laughs> bless your heart
1: <laughs> yahoo messenger all right uh let's talk a little bit more about japan a new law on home sharing in japan requires hosts register their listings And get a license and display that license number by June 15th. Now, the government is saying as of June 1st, any host without a license will need to cancel reservations for after June 15th that were booked before. June 15th. As a result, Airbnb is now canceling thousands of reservations for guests arriving between June 15th and June 19th at any listing which does not yet have a license. I know that may be kind of confusing, but basically, if you booked for June 15th through June 19th at a place that hasn't got their license yet in Japan, you're getting canceled. Airbnb has allocated $10 million to a fund to assist those who got canceled and incur costs because they have to make alternate arrangements.
3: This uh, was really interesting to me because last year I went to Tokyo and I stayed at an Airbnb and all over the apartment complex were signs that said no Airbnb allowed. And then when we entered the place, uh, they had signage on the inside that said, um, if anyone asks, you are my friend, please don't talk to the neighbors. It was like, it was really sketchy. Yeah. It was a nice place. It was a very nice apartment, but it was very sketchy in that we knew immediately that they weren't allowed to have an Airbnb. So I do wonder if this is a big problem in Japan or if it's a problem in other countries as well, because it sounds like they're really cracking down on it.
1: Yeah. In New York, I know this is an issue uh, where, where they've been cracking down and they may be cracking down even farther. Uh, it It is a little sketchy in places. Sometimes it's not even the law. It's just that the building doesn't like it. And so yeah. they, they want you to keep it quiet. And that doesn't make for a comfortable stay when you're trying to hide the fact that you're staying there.
3: Yeah, you never know if you're going to get evicted. And that's scary when you're in yeah, another country. Yeah, I know. Country. You don't want that. <laughs> Verizon has announced that its chief technology officer, Hans Vesberg, will take over as CEO starting August 1st. Current CEO, Lowell McAdam, will retire. Vesberg joins Verizon a year after being fired as CEO from Ericsson during an investor shakeup. Vestberg has been overseeing the build-out of 5G by Verizon, and his selection as CEO is seen as prioritizing networking over media expansion.
1: Yeah, and don't forget Verizon owns Oath, uh, the folks that are killing Yahoo Messenger, but right. but also more importantly, uh, own TechCrunch and and Gadget and and Yahoo. Uh, and so, a lot of people thought Verizon was going to go the way of AT and T and maybe try to buy some networks, some TV networks, or expand into media. Naming mm-hmm. uh, Vesperg really makes it sound like no Verizon wants to double down on infrastructure and and, mm-hmm. and wireless networking.
3: Which it does make sense. I mean, they do have decent competition. So it'd be excellent to see more infrastructure build out from Verizon.
1: Yeah. And it, and it's not like you can't go in both directions. Certainly AT&T plans mm-hmm. to do that. They're rolling out 5G and trying to buy Time Warner at the same time. Uh, but their chief operating officer was the guy that everybody thought was going to get this job because he was able, he could live in both worlds. Whereas right. you know, not that Vestberg can't, uh, you know, delegate to the COO and delegate to oath and Tim Armstrong down there. But, uh, but, but certainly his, his knowledge is all from Ericsson in, in device making and networking. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and that is what he is going to prioritize. Uh, there's just no doubt about it. Right. It, it's an interesting, it's an interesting move for Verizon. And I imagine it's easy to overinterpret this as like, oh, they're they're getting out of media. My guess is they're just going to let Oath take that on and on. It makes me wonder, though, if they have plans to spin Oath out as mm. and, and sell it off.
3: That's a good... Well, I guess we're going to have to see.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't be I,
3: surprised if they did.
1: <laughs> it would be something that one would assume that uh a, a already growing media company like maybe a uh, a disney fox merger or a comcast fox merger whoever ends up with fox you know might want to tack on oath to something like that or or maybe even a cbs uh, where they have CBS Interactive and all the stuff that they've conglomerated around the CNET networks there. Uh, but maybe they would like to expand that as well. Of course, CBS is dealing with its own thing about whether it should merge with Viacom or not. So it's it's kind of murky and messy out there. Maybe that's what Verizon said is, you know what? It's going to make money? 5G. Let's, let's get a CEO to do that. <laughs> Ars Technica's Timothy B. Lee has an excellent write-up on why emergency braking systems have trouble with stationary objects like parked cars and lane dividers. We've heard about these crashes, right? Uh, you should read the article if you want to really want to get a fuller understanding. But the short version is, radar's good at measuring speed. And relative speed. So it's trained to ignore stationary objects uh, because you have a lot of stationary objects in view, trees and guardrails and things like that. Uh, Adaptive cruise control systems were designed to focus on maintaining a safe distance behind other moving objects. With the assumption that the driver would intervene to avoid non-moving obstacles. Also, auto emergency braking is designed to work at 20 to 30 miles per hour, not at high speeds. Higher speed emergency braking uh, has a higher risk of accidents because at that speed, dangerous objects have to be detected farther ahead, and that's more prone to errors and and false positives than the lower speeds where you're detecting them closer, where you have a you have you have a, a better accuracy rate. Uh, Add to that, that adaptive cruise control, auto braking systems, and throw in lane guidance too, they don't talk to each other, uh, means that they are also more conservative about what they can do. Uh, The upshot of me reading this article was, this is why autopilot is not a self-driving car, and why it's very important that you realize that if you use it.
3: I felt the exact same way after like totally geeking out after reading this article. It gave me a much clearer perspective as far as why we keep on... like. Not constantly, but we keep on hearing these reoccurring stories about these really major and depressing crashes that happen at very high speeds. When you don't really hear about them that often at lower speeds, so now I understand from the technology standpoint a lot better, like why these issues keep on keep on occurring. And um, I think as humans, we really need to make that very clear precise understanding of what is autopilot and what is um, you know s- self-driving or something that helps you drive like that
1: yeah it's not a complete system there are yeah. those they're being developed by Waymo and uber and others mm-hmm. uh, but this system is is <laughs> people are like why didn't it see the concrete divider it's like because it's not meant to that's yeah. those systems yeah. aren't designed to do that. That's why you're supposed to be paying attention because they're designed to do very specific things. And you, as the human, fill in the gaps between those things.
3: Well, hopefully that technology will continue getting better and better to build a better world for us humans. Yeah, well, that's the good news (laughs) is
1: that it is for sure. Yeah.
3: MIT researchers have developed a transmitter that sends each bit of data on a different frequency. Bulk Acoustic Wave, aka BAW, resonators work with a channel generator to rapidly switch between channels. A secret key used by the sender and receiver identifies which channel are ones and which ones are zeros. The researchers also integrated two transmitter paths into a time interleaved architecture. So the workload alternates fast enough to maintain a one megabit per second data rate, similar to BLE, which is Bluetooth. The upshot is if you didn't follow it, it stops signals from being intercepted or even jammed. Uh, I love this story. It's so cool. Um, Basically, what they're saying is they've they've developed a new type of protocol, kind of similar to Wi-Fi or uh, on 2.4 gigahertz or 5 gigahertz. But it's it's allowing for channel hopping much quicker and between uh, a much wider amount of frequencies. Currently for hackers, it's really easy if you're on Wi-Fi for you to be able to track data, even if it is channel ha- hopping. If you have multiple technologies, for example, I know we sell them, but in my my case, it would be the Wi-Fi pineapple. If you have multiple Wi-Fi pineapples on multiple different frequencies and channels, you can watch that channel hopping happen and you can track that data happening. But since this is happening so quickly on such a wide array of frequencies, it sounds like using multiple Wi-Fi pineapples would not allow you to be able to hack this system. Uh, And that's just so cool to me that the fact that they're developing this to protect against, you know, black hat hackers. It's awesome. Yeah,
1: I know a lot of people are like, ah, there's protocols that already do this. Not this fast. You got to read this article. Uh, This is crazy fast. And the other thing they do that's really interesting is a lot of times you can tell whether a one or a zero is being sent uh, based on, on the megahertz. Uh, This fools that by only by having a secret key so that you know which channel means one and which means zero. So when it comes in on that channel, you're like, oh, it came in on that channel. I knew there were two possible channels and that channel is the one channel. But anybody in the middle intercepting it, they don't know that. So it's just noise.
3: I definitely want to learn more about this. And I hope that it comes to DEF CON so that we can see it in action, because that would be so fascinating
1: Yeah. And find out what vulnerabilities there are to it. Right. Because (laughs) everything's got them. So, yeah. Uh,
3: Finally, the European
1: Parliament will vote later this month on a copyright directive. Uh, You'll also hear this called Article 13. It states that platform providers should, quote, take measures to ensure the functioning of agreements concluded with rights holders for the use of their works. Now, this is one of those things that's meant to be narrow to say like, "Hey, if you if you have a copyright agreement with someone, you should enforce it." Uh however, critics note that the language seems to require companies to filter all the content put online by users and that the only way that seems feasible to comply with this law would be to create bots like YouTube's Content ID. Now, we know that YouTube's Content ID is not accurate. Uh it 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 Errors on the side of taking things down rather than trying to understand what the use is. So the system tends to play it safe and blocks things that often are not infringing or are fair use classes. Now, YouTube has been struggling with this for a long time on its own. Imagine if every website that operated in Europe had to do that. The Electronic Frontier Foundation and 56 other rights organizations have sent an open letter to European lawmakers outlining their concerns about Article 13, uh, but the awareness is starting to ramp up. You're starting to see more organizations talk about this because the vote's coming up.
3: I definitely see the perspective of why they want to put a law like this in place. I mean, from my own creative uh, perspective, myself as a creator, I always deal with people, you know, putting up episodes of Hack5 and sticking their own ads on them. And it sucks. You know, there's I have to deal with my own way of taking that down. and, And it's a real pain. But on the other hand, sometimes i purchase licensed music and then that gets a content id claim takedown on youtube and i have a legitimate right to be able to use that music because i paid for it and it's it's my music now that i own it so it's there's no perfect answer to this issue from either side it's it's a really big problem
1: yeah the problem isn't the law. You don't need a new law, is my take yeah. on this. The, a new law is not going to fix the fact that content ID systems aren't very good, right? right. Uh, <laughs> you need to encourage technology. So if Europe really wants to take a positive step here, uh, they would they would maybe create a standards organization or a consortium uh, to work to come up with a better way to help the person who has a legitimate grievance, like you were just described, uh, get satisfaction, but without trampling on fair use rights that's a thorny problem and it could use a big push uh for people to understand and maybe even dig into like what copyright law does to creative works as far as encouraging or discouraging them and what the appropriate laws should be this is just a band-aid uh and it's probably going to make things worse if they enact Mm -hmm. it Folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com, available on the Amazon Echo, Google Home, and more, including the Anchor app at Anchor.fm. Thousands of Google employees signed a petition back in April. We mentioned it on the show, calling on CEO Sundar Pichai to cancel Google's project, MAVE which was developing AI as a tool for analyzing drone footage for the Pentagon here in the U.S. Now, Google has since, in response to the petition, not canceled Project Maven, but said it would not seek another contract, a follow-on contract for Project Maven after that project ends. And now, CEO Sundar Pichai has outlined four areas where Google will not develop or deploy AI at all, as well as seven principles for...
4: better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Uh,
1: For guiding the positive use of AI, here are the four places where Google won't use AI. Technologies that cause or are likely to cause overall harm, where there is a material risk of harm, we will proceed only when we believe the benefits substantially outweigh the risks and will incorporate appropriate safety constraints. Two, Weapons or other technologies whose principal purpose or implementation is to cause or directly facilitate injury to people. That's out. Number three, technologies that gather or use information for surveillance, violating internationally accepted norms. Whatever those are, that's out. And number four, they're not going to do technologies whose purpose contravenes widely accepted principles of international law and human rights. So those are the things they've said we're not going to do. Google also stated seven principles to guide AI development be socially beneficial, avoid creating or reinforcing bias, be built and tested for safety, be accountable to people, incorporate privacy design principles, uphold high standards of scientific excellence, and be made available for uses that accord with all of these principles. So, we've we've got some a lot of wiggle room in there, but we've got some principles stated by Google because of this outrage about the idea that AI was being used in a military situation. It doesn't preclude military uses of AI. It just says we don't want them to be used to harm people.
3: Right. (laughs) And I, I would argue that a lot of these rules that they created are rather vague and very much open for, for whoever decides to read them their own opinions, uh, which Which I don't know if that's a good thing or a, a negative thing.
1: Yeah, they're good principles. But if you really want to be assured, if you've got a, an opinion and you want to know, are they really going to do what I want them to do as an employee or, or not of right. Google? Uh, you want more specifics. You want examples. Mm-hmm. You want them to say, and, and, and we will definitely not do this kind of thing. And, and like you say, there's, there's a lot of vagaries in here.
3: Right. Like the um, number four, be accountable to people, provide appropriate opportunities for feedback, relative explanations and appeal. Like how how are you going to go about that? Like what's what's the process? Like how are you going to entail that happening? I think that um, their their don't do's are a lot more clear. They make a lot more sense and they're very explanatory. Like, you know, if it's something that facilitates injury to people, make sure that you don't do it. But on the other hand, the positives, they're very vague. Um, On the good side, though, if we look at that positively, it gives Google the chance to grow with the norms of society. And since they're a U.S. company, that's something that I can highly relate to in current years. So it could be a good thing that they're able to do that. Um, But I think that a lot of people are really thinking about this story right now and the fact that they decided to pull out of that contract and they decided to release these different uh, uh, tidbits about terms that they're going to stand by uh, because of all the negative feelings and connotations that humans have kind of uh, attributed to AI over the past several years. Uh, And I think most of that is because of the way that Hollywood and other industries show AI as if it's a bad thing that's going to end up like killing off all the humans. But in actuality, the, the basis that the way that humans are going to use AI, that's more attributable to what we could actually see happening in the coming years, as opposed to the AI is going to kill us all.
1: Yeah. I, I, I mean, let, let's be clear. Uh, we don't want the AI to kill us all. But no. I, I, think, <laughs> I think the fear is if we let AI decide something, it could do something bad. Uh, and so when you have military involved, the imagination runs to they're going to let AI decide who to shoot at. And that's right. not good because the AI m- might be shooting at the wrong people uh, because we can't control it. And the fact of the matter is, AI isn't good enough for that yet. It just it just isn't. And and no, I'm not saying they should be allowed to it when it gets good enough, but that is the least of our problems. Uh, you, you pointed out a really good article on LiveScience.com uh, where they interviewed Killian Weisenberger, an associate professor in the Department of Computer Science at Cornell University, who told them that some types of problems map well to ai skill sets making certain tasks relatively easy for ai to complete like you can map it to play go or something like that but most things do not map to that and they're not applicable ai reaching consciousness there is absolutely no progress in research in that area says <laughs> weinberger i don't think that's anywhere in our near future so yeah. it's it's not only that ai isn't going to be smart enough to think on its own ai is very task specific right now yeah uh, it
3: is and and that 's just based on like how much our technological advances allow us to do at this time and age now it 's entirely possible in like half half a century or something like that, we might start to see that kind of ability uh, to happen with that technology, but right now we just don 't have that ability, even with quantum computing, even with ai it 's just it 's just not there, so a lot of what we see. In in places like Hollywood and in TV and like the show humans, which yeah. is about sense, gaining consciousness, which or is a West great world, show, right? by the way. Yeah,
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> it's a really good show. But it's still like those things just they, they don't exist at this time and age.
1: Yeah. And, and and honestly, the problem with using A.I. in a lot of these kinds of situations would have to do with it not being very good at all, like mm-hmm. you know, n- not not that it would decide to to turn malevolent, but it, it just wouldn't do the right thing, and and that's dangerous in a militaristic situation already. I I think Project Maven was probably okay. It was analyzing imagery. Okay. You could, if you were going to make an argument against it based on these principles, it, it may be like that's a that sounds like surveillance to me. Is that okay surveillance? But it wasn't being used to target according to Google. Now, some people have said, yeah, they say that, but they also want to win a lot of government contracts. I bet it was two or three steps away being used to inform targeting situations, which may or may not be true. Uh, And, and I think that's why a lot of Google employees were like, we just don't want to be anywhere near that at all. But the fact of the matter is they, they want these contracts. So they're going to try, Google's going to try. It's in its best interest to try to figure out how to be able to get government contracts, including military contracts, uh, in some way that appears responsible to their own employees and other people.
3: Now they still could use AI with government contracts. They could do things like um, like help them develop better technology for the Air Force. Uh, they could help make better technology in planes, or they could sure. help with the um, the computer technology advances in in the military. The people that work behind the computers, not necessarily out on the fields. Well- I just wanted to add one thing. One reason why, you know, th- this kind of contract with the military is so, you know, seductive and compelling is that the Department of Defense spends a lot, a lot of money. Yes. People not realize it, but Silicon Valley owes its birth to military spending, whether it was in aerospace, um, aeronautics research, radar development, electronics research, all all through the impetus of defense. So, there has been a history of the the military spending a lot of money, and you know until private institutions can match that in that way, for a lot of these companies, it's like, look, we just hit the jackpot. We get all this money to do the research we want to do, and we get very, very, you know, very few strings attached. We don't have VCs. Breathing down our backs, checking—you know—checking you know, checking every month. How you doing? How you doing? How
2: you doing? Where are Although you at?
1: Google doesn't have VC's breathing down its backs. It's, It's—it's got search money coming in, but yeah. it wants to diversify those resources. And that big old pot of government money is just it's, it's as appealing a, it's to a it. A lot. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. You can submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com and facebook.com slash groups slash Uh Got a couple of emails here. First of all, John sent us an email about Valve's decision on how to moderate content on the Steam store, which is basically to say they won't unless it's illegal. Uh, John says, I'm actually a huge fan of the way Valve has decided to approach objectionable content, mostly because objectionable is subjective. I think if Steam is well-filtered, categorized, and managed by humans instead of algorithms, it can allow all comers. The filters that Steam is talking about would be managed by you. You would decide what you want to see. Uh, Perhaps my faith in humanity is misplaced, he says, but I believe the cream still rises to the top. I don't think games and content with outright racist, demeaning, and or trolling content will do well, at least not long-term.
3: Well yeah I don't know it's a it's a hard debate to talk about, especially you know with our our own personal perspectives. So I could agree or disagree with that email, but you know it valves a they're a company they're a closed company, so they can do what they want and uh we can agree with our wallets or disagree with our wallets
1: i do in principle without getting into the rest of it, I do like the mm-hmm. idea that and I, and I want to see what their controls look like but i in principle, I like the idea of we'll give you the filter. You decide what you see in the store, uh, and I think that's that's a that's a pretty good approach. I'm interested to see how that works.
3: It's kind of like Twitter blocking or giving me the ability to block certain words right. from showing up in my notifications. Yeah, yeah. So if I don't want to see something that's sexist, for example, I can block that word, and then I never see it. So to me, it doesn't exist.
1: Would you do us the honor of reading the last email?
3: Sure. Uh, So this one comes from Bill from Chicago. He chimes in about the Cat Genie comment regarding a new automatic litter box that was showcased at Computex. He writes, I've had a Cat Genie automatic litter box for years now. Works fantastic. It washes itself and it pumps the mess to a drain. I just power wash mine once a year. My cat loves it and so do I. I just got one less thing to worry about. Wanted to share for anyone who is as lazy as I am or has an elderly cat person who Mm wants Wants to help save their back. That's awesome, and I would actually recommend another cat litter robot in case you don't have the drainage option, or if you're renting and you don't have the ability to put in your own uh, water option for the litter or the cat genie, uh, the litter robot. The Litter robot three is the one that i have at home that i've been using for a year and it's amazing
1: oh cool good yeah. so many litter robots out there i
2: had no idea I know. this is great
3: <laughs> all right Nobody before we use litter <laughs> before
2: we get out of here let's check in with len peralta what have you been drawing len Well, you know, I know you said in the main story that Google has kind of backed off of uh, putting AI in guns, which is good news. Uh, But I decided to sort of uh, talk about that idea in the sense that people are afraid of AI going into products and what it means and uh, that it becomes sentient. So uh, I did actually two drawings today oh wow uh, cool. one is uh, it's all about they're both called smart guns and the first one is about adding artificial intelligence to weapons because some folks lack the actual intelligence to use them properly and you have a guy who is scared of the gun which is saying put me down i'm not shooting anything go go home and go to bed
1: i like this because it's <laughs> saying maybe the
2: gun will actually be smarter than some of the people who use it. Exactly. Uh, and then the second one, which personally I think might be my favorite, is this one, which is just called Smart Guns. It's an automatic rifle that has uh, become sentient and is saying, don't shoot me, which, if you think about it, is oh, I don't good see it. Very it? clever. Yeah, no, there. It's, it's oh,
3: there it one. is. Yeah. Now I see it.
1: I like this one a lot. It says a lot with a, with just a little.
2: Oh, yeah, thank you. That's really
3: cool.
1: Yeah, yes, it's, smart.
2: it's pretty cool, and uh, you can uh, you can get both of these prints right now at my online store. Uh, and also, I want to mention that next month uh, uh, we have our first wedding in our family, and I'm trying oh, to make some money to pay off some uh, some stuff with the wedding for my son. Uh, so uh, I'm open for commissions. Uh, if you have any commissions, send them my way. Uh, you can start over at lenperraltastore.com. So
1: basically you can be responsible for a slice of wedding cake or a a place setting, a floral decoration at the wedding uh, by commissioning Len and then you get a great piece of art out of it. That's right. It's It's great. Also good for dads and grads as well. LenperaltaStore.com. Shannon Morse, what do you guys got going on?
3: Uh, Well, over at Hack Five, I just had my new friend Renoa on the show. Uh, She got to guest host with me because I met her at Maker Faire randomly, and we did a vintage Apple IIc teardown, which was. It was so cool. I've never seen the inside of an Apple IIc. So I was able to break it down and actually see everything that goes on on the inside of one of these devices. And that was so much fun. So that was over at hack5.org, H-A-K-5.org. And then on tech thing, uh, I just reviewed a new product called the Pearl Charger, uh, which just hit its goal on Kickstarter, which is very exciting. And it's this really cool USB charger that shows you the wattage information right on the front and it doesn't throttle in between any of the USB ports. So it'd be great for like a Raspberry Pi cluster or something like that. But you can check that one out over at tekthing.com.
1: Thank you, everybody who supports the show. Uh, We are right now at eight days into the month, uh, five patrons less than last month. And we always like to have at least one more patron than last month. So if a few of you have been on the fence about getting in, or if you had to leave and, and it's been a while and now you realize, hey, wait a minute, I, I can support the show again. It's a dollar a month is the is the base. Uh, it's not much and it helps us keep bringing the show to you. It's the value for value model. If you get value out of the show, we just ask you give a little of that value back at patreon.com slash DTNS. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We're live Monday through Friday, 430 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. You can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Patron's Keep an eye out for the link to the quarterly hangout on Saturday. And for the rest of you, we'll be back on Monday with Justin Robert Young. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more
4: at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news, ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash newsadfree. That's amazon.com slash newsadfree to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.
0: Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict.